G'day, Patrick Stack here. ABC Sport Daily. We're having a spell over the festive period, but we would not leave you hanging. And we're going to give you some of our favourite conversations and stories from 2023 while you and we are recharging for 2024. Hope you enjoy this one. ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. If you're a fan of NRL, no, if you're a fan of sport in Australia, you're probably across the surprising partnership of Tina Turner and Rugby League. The iconic vision of the spiky-haired American singer clad in leather, dancing across a stage on the SFS in towering heels at the 1993 Grand Final remains one of, if not the best, sports entertainment performances in this country. It's absolutely wild in the best possible sense. So with the passing of the American singer, we're looking at how that partnership sparked and grew into something special and enduring. Secret meetings, an initial backlash, camp advertising campaigns, rampant success and cult followings. The story of Tina Turner and Rugby League. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. John Quayle is the former boss of the New South Wales Rugby League and ex-chief executive of the ARL. He was central to the partnership between Turner and Rugby League. John, I think we're all drawn to Simply the Best, but it started with another song. Why did you want to partner with Tina Turner and her song, What You Get Is What You See? Well, Patrick, that's an interesting point because so many people don't remember that that's how it all started. And that was due to the creativeness of our agency, Hertz Walpole, who... We as a game were looking to expand our audience. We were predominantly played by men. We were predominantly watched by men. And it was the theme to attract women and younger generation to the sport of league. And when the agency came up with the storyboard, no one could sing uh, like Tina. And it was suggested we try and get Tina. Tina was managed by an Australian, Roger Davies from Melbourne. And uh, we were able to contact Roger and meet him for a short time on a on a trip to Melbourne for the Boxing Day test and to see his mum for Christmas. And he wasn't that keen at first, but then he told us that, all right, if we wanted to do it, we've got one day in London that we would have to shoot. And uh, if it worked out all fine, well, we'd, we'd go from there. And that's how it all started. I got on a plane with some uh, football jumpers and footballs and the old VHS tape to show Tina what football was all about. It started from there, and uh, we had to get a couple of uh, footballers, and I had targeted the best-looking footballer at the time in Australia was Andrew Eddinghausen, who was playing in in London at the time, and uh, Andrew's game had got uh, snowed out, so they cancelled the game, and he couldn't get there, and I had another good friend footballer playing over there in Gavin Miller, and Gavin said, don't worry, John, I've got a very good replacement. In fact, there's two of us, myself, Gavin Miller and Cliffy Lyons. I got the sexiest man, Gavin Miller. Gavin Miller and Cliffy. So instead of the best-looking footballer, I had two wonderful guys who weren't that considered that good-looking at the time, but they warmed and straight away to Tina, and Tina warmed to then, although she did say to me, John, you tell me they were good-looking. I don't know where, where the others are. But she was just warm from the day that she got into that dressing was freezing in London. And, you know, when we put the commercial together, it was kept very secret. The players were terrific in not disclosing any information. But 
when it got out in Sydney that we were going to launch our television campaign with a black American grandmother, it didn't go well. A lot of people were totally opposed to that. But to the credit of my chairman at the time, Ken Arthurson, they, you know, he stayed solid and and we launched it. And once it was launched, it, of course, that comment never was said again. course it became in a very short time the theme and and it was one of the great sporting commercials not only around the nation but internationally things went up a notch with simply the best how so and roger davies liked it as well from tina's point of view and uh, he rung jim walpole and said jim there's a, a song written that tina is going to be on her next album end of the year and i think it's been written for sport and maybe you better get over here and have a listen to it. And so we did. Jim and I flew to Los Angeles and uh, met with Roger and Tina and heard the, the song Simply the Best. And we all agreed that was certainly a sporting anthem. And we were fortunate in the game to be able to purchase that, the music and Tina to that for the next seven years in the Southern Hemisphere. And the rest is history. It's still acknowledged as one of the great sporting anthems. You talk about taking over videotapes of rugby league what was Tina's reaction when you showed her the sport of rugby league? Incredible in a way because she'd been used to American football, of course, the NFL and pads and, and headgear. And she said, they're not wearing anything. They're, I can see their legs, their arms, they're big. Look at them. This is real men out here with, the, you know, just shoes on their feet. I think they could probably do it without the shoes as well. I thought, respect. I made sure that a lot of the videos had lots of hard hits on it and she was you know jumping up and down in the lounge room and saying look at them hit 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 and so it was quite a it didn't take a long to warm to it but i think that the thing about patrick was when she arrived here to film her relationship and attitude with the players the warmth every day on set made it all happen you can just see in tina's expression she was having fun as well uh, running along the beach with uh, with the boys so much of it was all ad-lib. We filmed on the beach in the first commercial. We were you know, wanting to take the football jumpers off the players, make them sexy. It meant that you know, they were targeting more females to the game and uh, hence uh, running along the beach with your, your cozies on, that was about it. Uh, she's running around the beach, passing them footballs, laughing and joking in the gymnasium, lifting weights and medicine balls. And it, and it just, it all works. So I think the three key things naturally the music naturally the game the creativeness of the commercial but tina turner that's why it all happened and and came together so well at the time it was a big risk and i suspect it was a big financial investment as well that clearly paid off we hear about you know robbie williams at last year's afl grand final commanding fees in excess of a million dollars how expensive was the investment overall for rugby league we're very fortunate. Our major sponsor, the Winfield Company, it was a good exposure in a way that met the guidelines. So it was a great exposure for the Winfield Cup. In dollar terms, from a league's point of view, it you could never do it today. I don't think the production costs. And when we filmed in overseas and we filmed with Jimmy Barnes in Amsterdam and uh, would be an incredible cost. We've sort of not disclose too much of the cost at that time but i think from a sports point of view the figures that i always released at the time was about two hundred thousand dollars which you know that was gained in the first day the exposure across the nation uh, the increase in in women 
watching the game in many cases not because of the game in those days but because of the commercial you know it was certainly certainly something to try to attract more females to the game i i'd have to say it did it was certainly uh that campaign worked and then that led to people uh, the viewer participation increasing incredibly and along with the expansion of the game to uh, to other states was part of the next step in the in the development of the game of league you touched on Tina Turner's affection for the sport of rugby league when you sort of showed it to her. We know she was a star performer, and watching that 1993 grand final performance... Well, let's go down to the uh, centre stage area, the first lady of rugby league, Tina Turner. My favourite greeting. <laughs> it seems like she was genuinely loving it and that she was feeding off the energy of the crowd. Do we know what Tina thought of the experience of that moment, but also the ongoing partnership almost with rugby league such a personable person you know and she used to say oh every time i'm in an airport somewhere doesn't matter where i am in the world people come up to me and just say tina we just don't want to say we're from australia and we love your commercial and we love you fantastic tina turner simply the best and that's one for all you fans and viewers right around australia joining in uh, the greatest game of all here today and i think that again showed what she was like she was it, she was so easy to work with. There was never a problem. There was never a drama. In those days, you know, if you look at all our sets, there was no security, no anything. It was just come on set, say welcome everyone today, have a good day, hugs with players, and just as though she was just part of them on stage. And I think those memories to me are pretty special because that's why it was all so easy to do. John, it's quite uh, an astonishing partnership in hindsight. Thank you so much for sharing it all with us and how it came to be. We appreciate it. Nice talking to you. That was one of our fave eps of the year just gone. We will be back on deck from January 8 with Poppy Penny in the chair to attack 2024 with fresh stories. Until then, hope you're having a great summer. Thanks to the NRL and BMG for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.